Hi, and welcome to Total Rewind, a Filmmaker's Compass podcast where me, D-Man, and CP, we take a look at movies from 30 years and, and before. And today we're really excited because we're actually doing our first non-80s movie. Throw it over to you, CP. How's it going over there? I'm great, man. How are you? I love this movie and I'm so excited we finally get to talk about it. Well, I'm finally, you know, I'm happy that we're finally getting to the before part of our tagline. So I'm really excited and I'll go ahead and just go ahead and announce the movie. It's Jaws. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, dude, uh, it's pretty crazy because we've actually uh, been a little bit on a Spielberg kick, I guess. Here he is again with another instant classic. I think Jaws is actually considered the first blockbuster. Am I correct? Yeah, something interesting. Universal actually decided to re release it nationwide all on the same weekend, and it was the first movie they ever did that with. Hmm, um, interesting. Otherwise, like the uh, release was kind of rolled out from city to city over uh, over the course of a couple weeks. So interesting, yeah, because I know you know kind of once something happens twice, then it's like a thing. So like technically, Star Wars is the one that everyone was like, oh, blockbusters. But Jaws was really the first summer movie that made that type of money. It is now you know regarded as kind of the first block. Yeah. So pretty cool. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. Obviously, uh, this is Total Rewind. So the goal of this podcast is for CP and myself to take a look at movies from 30 years and before and see if they're still relevant in 2021 and beyond. So, you know, is this a movie that we would show to our kids? So I'll throw it over to you first. Let's look at Jaws. You know, culturally, is it still relevant? Oh, my gosh. Can you even like ask me that question with a straight face? <laughs> I um, could not. I mean, for one thing, right, this is the film that puts Steven Spielberg on the map as a filmmaker. If you get the chance, go back. There's a lot of great documentaries and special features about the making of this film. Universal, Spielberg himself, thought it was going to be a disaster. He was afraid he would never work again as a filmmaker. Yet, when it was all finally cut together, it ended up being this real masterpiece of cinema, which not only jump-started his career and made him blow up to be, you know, the greatest director ever. Right. But on top of it, um, aside from being the first blockbuster, as you said, what's really amazing about the film is the impact. True. People were afraid to go in the water. I wasn't alive, so I can't speak to exactly what that must have been like. But to see this movie and then have this kind of carnal fear of sharks and, and going into the water, it was very real. That was my understanding. Well, and I mean, right, like now people go to the beach today and there someone makes a Jaws joke. People hear that Jaws theme, they know exactly what the reference is, that man-eating shark. It's actually funny. I was watching an uh, interview with Spielberg where he was talking with his buddy, uh, John Millis, and on a vacation together in Hawaii. And nice. he said, hey, Stephen, are you going to go in the water? Like, it's a perfect day. And he's like, nope, no way. He's like, <laughs> they know what I did, and I'm a marked man, and they're waiting for me. So the movie was so impactful that Steven Spielberg himself will not go back in the water. That's a great irony, especially, I mean, you'd think maybe, you know, he put sharks on the map, but I guess in a bad way. So maybe they'd <laughs> want to be friends with him, but <laughs> I guess not. I mean, what's interesting, too, is like when you look culturally at Jaws, obviously, there's the theme song, you know, there's the two notes, the bottom, 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 everybody hears that, they know that. And then in a weird way, Jaws is never thought of as a holiday movie, but I guess technically it is, right? It always gets played on 4th of July weekend. So it's relevance, like it's one of those, you know, we talked before, you know, which holiday or which 4th of July movies did you watch this weekend? It's like Independence Day, Jaws, and like The Sandlot. Those are kind of like your go-tos, but as it is, there are 4th of July 
movies just like there's i guess christmas or halloween you know <laughs> and so Very true. yeah jaws you know fits in there so it gets replay value every single year in fact i think i forget what channel it was on for a long time they had a jaws marathon although you know we're only talking about the original but the drop in quality once you start going up in numbers is <laughs> you know do you think uh, on that note jaws is still relevant do you think they'll make another one or remake it or something it's kind of interesting. I feel like maybe Universal thinks that they have milked the franchise for all that they could. Just, I mean, the first one, right, was incredibly over budget and almost three times the budget. It ended up being made for about $9 million. It brought in close to $5 million, or <laughs> five million, five million. $500 million in the box. Office. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, $5 million? Wow. And I mean, obviously the, the franchise has been huge, but you know, the other three Jaws movies, everyone just gets worse and worse and worse. And I wonder if they're just like, you know what? Hey, we milk this thing for every could, everything we could. We still have this film that really stands the test of time. It does. Why bother going back? Especially since, you know, the other remakes, which maybe we should talk about this on the other show at some point, the other remakes just really don't hold up. And mm -hmm. I think part of it is they get really insistent on, on showing the shark more than Spielberg yeah. did. Which is ironic because the reason for that was due to technical issues, correct? Well, uh, yeah. It wasn't necessarily this kind of like proactive uh, artistic choice, which now everybody knows kind of that, like, you know, what do you call it? Like the Jaws effect, like you, you withhold showing the, the monster, quote unquote, uh, for more dramatic effect because our yeah. imaginations are crazier than seeing it. Spielberg himself has actually credited it saying like not being able to see the shark made the film better. And originally he envisioned this much more of like a Godzilla type movie with, you know, this monster attacking this town. And he said very quickly, he, he learned when they were out on the ocean shooting and this thing just kept failing and failing and failing. He said, Hey, I'm, I'm not making Godzilla anymore. Now I'm making a Hitchcock movie. And so he kind of reimagined how to shoot the film as Hitchcock would have done it. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it's, you know, like you said, there's been documentaries and this and that. It's fun watching some of those clips. Like they literally went out on the water and like they needed one shot at like a specific light. And they only had like a very small window to film when they were out on the water. And it's very expensive to get out there. It's hard. The shots get messed up. And they literally went and did it like time and time again to get one shot. And it wasn't even like if you watch the movie, it's not even like this iconic shot. It's just like a shot. <laughs> well, and it's crazy. And they talked about just right because they had a whole fleet of boats with them and one of them had power and one of them was running camera and one of them was kind of the workshop and so they talked about just the whole you know and one of them was just for the shark and so they said not only you know did it take two hours just to reset everything for a single shot but then they had to juggle weather you know waves and of course um sailboats yeah. sailing across the horizon because you know you can't shoot jaws when you know, a bunch of people go by all happy on their hundred foot sailboat. You know. <laughs> it's supposed to be, yeah, a man eating shark out there. Well, and it's also worth noting, you know, culturally too, that I do believe it's still there. Some of uh, the rides, rides have been swapped out at Universal, but I believe on the, uh, what's it called? The uh, back lot tour or whatever it is, uh, Jaws is still part of that ride. And I always thought, what a cool job. <laughs> um, you know, you think like the Jungle Cruise at Disneyland, but the guy that's like, he's like, oh no. And he like pulls out his like fake gun and then like fires it and like yeah. there's an explosion. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. That guy gets paid. He's probably an actor too, you know? <laughs> probably, probably. Funny bit of, of trivia I did learn, uh, you know, when we were kind of brushing up on the film. I guess originally before they decided to build the mechanical shark, the producers wanted to train a great white shark 
wow, that does not sound wise. I, I know. I'm just like, maybe they just didn't know all that we know about sharks now, but does that sound like the worst idea in human history? Well, it's interesting. You know, we brought this up with Indiana Jones in regards to uh, what's it called? Archaeology. And then Jurassic Park was paleontology. The interest in sharks after Jaws also grew True. dramatically. True. Um, now we have things like Shark Week. You know, it's weird because even you watch Shark Week. I mean, it's almost impossible to watch one of those shows without a Jaws reference. No, in fact, they're named like laws of Jaws and, and you know, when Jaws attacks and stuff, right? Like, yeah, like it's it's hard not to see its influence all over the place. I mean, Shark Week, literally the interest in sharks is probably if you traced it right back to Jaws, you'd be like, yep, this is the inspiration. This is why we get to have a whole week about sharks. <laughs> so okay. thank you, Spielberg. Yeah, thank you, Spielberg. Let's go ahead and jump then to effects. So obviously we mentioned the score already. It's iconic. It, it definitely uh, stands the test of time. I'm sure if they were to make a list of, you know, well, first of all, just John Williams' best scores, it's on there. <laughs> just, you know, movie themes in general, that's got to be up there as one of the most recognizable oh, ones. Absolutely. But how do you think the effects hold up? So like you said, this was filmed in the 70s. Uh, they were having tons of technical issues when it came to the shark and some of the mechanics and, and everything. Do you think this movie effects wise holds up and stands the test of time that's kind of a kind of a loaded question in the sense that there's really two parts to the film right mm -hmm. i would say for the first two-thirds of the movie they stand up amazing you know yeah. we see shadows we see fins we watch people get mauled by sharks and blood flood the screen and it looks really well because out of necessity it was used so sparingly in fact to the True. point that spielberg even went to the art department and he said guys no red like all the red we're showing is simply the blood for effect and it looks really good and it holds up really well obviously in the latter half of the film which you know spoilers when the shark finally jumps on the boat and starts eating people in the close-up and it starts sinking the orca it's not as yeah i, I kind of have timeless to yeah after watching it you know especially just this overall, like when you think of the fear of the shark, you know, even seeing it kind of like, you know, beached on the orca, it doesn't, you know, part of me is like, you know, just don't go over there or, you know, hope this boat doesn't sink. But yeah. generally speaking, I'm like, it's just sitting there, you know, kind of like, you know, if you take a fish out of water, as intimidating as it can be and as powerful as it can be when it's in water, once it's out of water, it's not that intimidating. Yeah. Kind of and like, it's I don't know. No, you're absolutely right. Once we really get the close-ups and we look at the quote-unquote doll's eyes that they talk about, it just, it doesn't have the same effect as when, you know, we see the barrels, you know, circling yeah, the boat. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I would say, like you said, as far as like the blood effects, you know, everything else to me, obviously there's no digital effects here. This is all practical effects. Yeah. Worth mentioning. But mm -hmm. generally, I think it all holds up. It was really just, you know, and that end sequence where I was like, ah, you know, if I had to be honest with myself, even though I love this sequence and I love the, the movie overall, you know, we could be honest with ourselves. It, it's not necessarily the best. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And then as far as the story goes, like, let's go ahead and talk about the characters and the story, because obviously there's a lot more here than just the shark. I think the story holds up remarkably well. So you have the politics of a small island town. They created kind of a fictional, a, a place that people know, Amity. And they do a good job with the different characters. So you have like the three main characters and they all have something that they want, whether it's protecting the town and safety, whether it's, you know, to learn more about sharks or to finally get, you know, to bag your beast. 
I think they do a good job of setting up the stakes for each of the characters. And it adds to the tension that is on the boat when they're out there later. They have that great conversation, you know, where they're all talking about where they got their scars. That scene is just a great scene from an actor's standpoint. It's probably everything an actor ever dreams of. You know, <laughs> you get to tell your long, crazy story. Obviously, the reference to the, is it the USS Indianapolis? Yeah. Which actually happened. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's a true story. Yeah, which is even scarier. I think like they said, like, I don't know, whatever he says, like 1,100 people went into the water and only like 300 came out or something. Yeah. And I was like, that is crazy. And like, it wasn't all just like, you know, shark feeding, but the sharks were there, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure a bunch of people did get eaten by sharks. You're like, that's just terrifying. That's actually probably more terrifying than like Jaws is. (laughs) Just thinking like your boat sinks and you're stuck with all these other people and people are just getting eaten. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, the characters, the way it's written, it really allows for that tension on the boat where especially I think someone's radioing or something. And then Quint, Quint is like, he just like throws water on the radio and is like, F this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why would you, why, why would you ever do that? Like, you're such an idiot. And he's like, no, because like, we have to bag this shark. This, we can't bail on this mission. And I don't know. I just love the tension between the characters. I think it's fun. Obviously, the small town politics was fun, too. Kind of the beginning of the movie, like, should we shut things down? All that. I think it all holds up, though, remarkably well. It's a very realistic story. And it, you you probably know this better than I do. Jaws is based on a book, right? Yeah, yeah. Peter uh, Benchley. And it was, was it actually... Jaws? It was called Jaws, and it was the bestseller in 74. And actually, Universal got a hold of the the manuscript before it, it, it went into final publication. So they're like, hmm. we know this book is coming out. Let's lock down the rights. Let's make this a movie. This is going to be huge. And and obviously, the, the book was a bestseller. They were right, yeah. Uh, the movie was a blockbuster. I ha- I've never read the book. I've heard there's substantial differences between the two, though the original author was actually involved heavily in the early drafts of the of the movie. I think part of the reason why the story holds up really well is the fact that Spielberg has created characters who have very powerful relationships with sharks. Mm-hmm. First of all, yeah. right? Uh, the chief of police is terrified of going in the water. going in the water in general. Like it has nothing yeah. to do with sharks. He's just scared of drowning. Of course, at some point we're going to have to challenge this character by putting him on a sinking boat where he is forced with the realization that he is about to drown. <laughs> yes, brilliant in terms of character growth. Quint is this man who makes a living hunting sharks, and we don't really ever see why he hates them until we hear about his story story of, you know, five days in the ocean, you know, watching his friends get eaten by sharks. Of course you'd hate sharks. Matt Hooper is, or Hopper, I'm sorry, is, is, you know, his relationship is a little different. He's fascinated by sharks. He talks about how when he was a boy, how a shark attacked his boat. And since then he's been obsessed with them. He kind of comes at it from this perspective as the scientist who, who really is bewildered by the discovery of such a massive shark. And so all of these characters are, their story is the story of Jaws. There's a little piece of the audience in each, each of them as we, you know, as they embark on their journey and we follow them. Yeah. And they, like you said, they do challenge all of them to that, that level of like, and like I said, it creates that tension between them because each of their motives is not necessarily pure, right? They're not all there to get this shark to protect the town. One of them is Mm -hmm. the other one wants revenge. The other one wants knowledge. 
so there's a natural tension on the boat which i think works really well because it's not just like you know a bunch of friends like let's get this bastard yeah you know (laughs) no absolutely so yeah overall i think the story holds up remarkably well and plays really well and the perfect example to be able to illustrate why that is is just go watch the jaws sequels and you'll see that they don't hold up Mm mm-hmm like their stories, their characters and their stories just aren't nearly as powerful and impactful. There's a reason why they're thought of so poorly. You know, Jaws in a weird way, it's like, you know, how can you keep doing this? <laughs> well, and, and I mean, and again, just to elaborate on what we've already talked about, right? When you follow Chief Brody, who is the main character, mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing when, when Spielberg set him up against really two sharks, there's the shark in the water circling the island. And then there's the shark, the shark in the suit, who's the mayor, doesn't want to acknowledge the fact that this is a real crisis and is doing everything he can to really handcuff Brody and keep him from doing his job, which is keeping people safe. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, as a holiday, you know, as a holiday movie, um, the replay value and the way almost everything holds up remarkably well, you know, if we're going to give our kind of our final remarks on Jaws, uh, I would give Jaws a pass. I also think Jaws is a great, if you were to show people that were interested in becoming filmmakers, I feel like Jaws is a movie you should show them. Oh, absolutely. It's practical effects, but you're, you're seeing, you know, Spielberg, you know, is doing a lot of things that, you know, they teach filmmakers. He's also having a lot of fun, but it's all on film. And it's, you know, filming on water. It's having to film outside with light. They're not just on sets. You know, all, you know, there's all kinds of weird stories. Like I think you said something about they ended up filming a scene like in a swimming pool or something because that's what they had to do to get it done. Yeah. Realistically, yeah, I think it's a, it's a movie that holds up remarkably well. And I definitely would say that, you know, if, is, this a, is this a movie that's still relevant in 2021? My answer is yes. Jaws is awesome. I would agree. And I think the last thing is... Um that I'm just going to add on building on everything you said is this Spielberg talked about how he was very deliberate in making sure he cast good actors, but not huge actors. Mm, right. And point. part of that, he said is listen, the, 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 the main character of the film is the shark. And he mm-hmm. didn't want to cast someone like Charlton Heston, who, who was really so grand that we were never going to believe that he wasn't going to be able to beat the shark. We were never going to believe that, you know, this would be a problem for him. And more importantly, he just himself and the presence that he brought was going to overshadow the shark. So he was very deliberate in the people that he picked. Hmm. And I think that when you add all these things together, and despite the fact that the production itself was such a nightmare, despite the fact that Universal thought it was going to bankrupt the studio, Spielberg thought it was going to be a failure, you know, Richard, <laughs> Richard Dreyfus very famously said many times he went in interviews and was like, this movie is going to be such a flop, like it's going to be a disaster. Um, despite all of the challenging circumstances, it's really the brilliance of Spielberg, the talent of the actors, some really badass effect people, and a solid script that really came together in a way that we hadn't seen in a movie before. And in many ways, uh, we'll never see again in the sense that the next time someone gets the quote unquote thriller monster movie like Jaws, yeah. we're simply going to say, this is like Jaws on an airplane, like Jaws and a, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is that just goes to show how impactful this movie was in cinema for audiences and, and for filmmakers. And yeah, you have to appreciate that. And um, because of that reason alone, I think it's always going to stand the test of time. Yes, there's a lot of people w- wearing bell bottoms in the movie, but 
<laughs> get with it yeah. because it's a fantastic film. No, I agree. I, I think it's uh, it's definitely one that if you haven't seen Jaws, I recommend checking it out. But if you have, enjoy watching it again because I did. It has great rewatching quality. Absolutely. So, all right, man. That actually, that does it for our episode this week. We wanted to uh, thank everyone for tuning in and checking out all of the episodes of Filmmakers Compass Podcast. You can follow the show at Film Comp Podcast on all major social media channels. And then you can also just go ahead and Google Filmmakers Compass Podcast and you'll find the links there as well. You can follow me at Big Kid D-Man and Christian at NBCal5. Keep the conversations going. And as we've mentioned on previous episodes, not for every movie, but we do live tweet uh when we watch some movies so i actually it wasn't me for jaws but i did see that you were doing a little live tweeting while you were watching jaws so Absolutely. thank you cp yeah and and hey listen next week we're going to be talking about mel brooks's infamous comedy blazing saddles another movie from the 70s and we really hope that you will tune in to check it out as well all right well thank you everybody and uh we'll be back <laughs>